Happy Monday. It is the end of March. You are listening to the Healing She Got Faith radio show on Total Entertainment Radio. Happy Monday. I'm so happy to be here with you all. I have a very, very special guest and a fellow author, and I cannot wait for you all to meet her. So everybody, please help me welcome Miss Felicia. Hi, how are you? I am well. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the show. Thank you so much for bringing your expertise. Of course, y'all know it's Social Work Month, so she is a fellow social worker, and she's a phenomenal woman. So thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you, you know, giving us your presence. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yes. So just... Give yourself a little introduction. Um, just kind of tell us who, you know, who are you? So I am first a mother. I am a mother of four. I am a grandmother of six. I am an educator. And as Lisa has, Lisa has said, also a fellow social worker. And I am a new author on this author journey. Um... And, you know, I'm an educator. I work with, uh, in education, been in education for about 20 years. And that is my passion. My passion is people. I love children. I love working with families. And that is just, um, you know, who I am. Yeah. And yeah, she is phenomenal with, with people. Like anybody. <laughs> very, very warm spirits. So, yes. And I hope that people get to see that today because you're definitely a person we need in this society with everything that we got going on. So, thank you. Your presence is definitely going to bless my audience and anybody else who picks this up and decides to listen to it. Yes. So without further ado, y'all know we cannot have a guest on the show and not do our icebreaker. So today we are picking from the Encourage Deck from CEO of My Life. So we're going to have Miss Felicia read her card. I'll read mine and then we'll kind of have a discussion about it. So go ahead. My card says, I don't have to get everything right. That's God's job. My job is to grow in wisdom as I go along. Ooh, that was good. Okay. <laughs> my card says, I surrender to God's timing. My heart's desire will be available for me in their due season. Okay. So did your card resonate with you? Absolutely resonate with me. Um, so I have to remember that I, the things that I want to do, I have to make sure that it is in line with what God has for me to do. And sometimes I get impatient with the things that I want and the, the way that I think that things should go. And so this was really uh, hit home because I feel like I have to know every move and I have to know the next step and I have to know. I mean, it's good to plan. Don't get me wrong. It's great to have a plan. It's great mm -hmm. to have goals. Yeah. But sometimes we get stuck on not knowing the next step. And that is God's job to give us that next step or mm -hmm. to provide a life for that next step, even if we don't know it. And so sometimes we think we're ready for something that we're actually not. Ooh, that's a and word. So we need to be working on ourselves, which is currently what I'm in the process of doing. Um, just, you know, being patient on some things that I have 
in place or, you know, plan for my life yeah. and just enjoying the journey and trying to gain as much wisdom and experience and character development as I can yeah. along the way so I can be ready whenever God drops in my lap what I have been working on. So sometimes we're not ready and we're, we think we are and God right. said, no, no, I need you to work on this. I need you to work on yourself. I need you to work on patience. I need you to work on this, this, and this. And then you can have yes. what I have for you. Oh man, that's beautiful. I love that. That is a word for somebody. <laughs> yes. Uh, my car, I surrender to God's timing. My heart's desires will be available for me in their due season. So clearly these cars are talking about God's timing and talking about just, you know, not, not trying to rush things. And so for me in the season that I'm in, really just being patient, understanding like things will happen when they're supposed to happen and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. I know how I grew up, you always had to be you know, the preparer, you had to be 30 minutes early to everything. You had to just everything had to be perfect. And I honestly, I struggled with that for a long time, like just being perfect, because that's what I was told you had to be in order to be successful. But being OK with not knowing the next step, being OK with saying no, being OK with taking a step back, even like just today, someone offered me opportunity and I was like, you know, I wear I already wear too many hats. Can't do it. Like, and I'm and I know for myself, I'm waiting on other things to happen. So why would I go and put myself in a position to where I'm waiting on something else? When in reality, like you said, just preparing for myself, just preparing for me to work on myself, be the woman I'm supposed to be, be the person I'm supposed to be, and waiting on these projects to prosper the way they're supposed to. So it's definitely a seasonal thing. And I do like talking about seasons because I feel like a lot of times we do want everything to happen a certain way. And then we don't realize we go through different seasons, whether it be your spring, winter, fall, summer, or whether it be your winning season or your losing season. So I definitely like talking about that. So I definitely resonate with this card. Um, yeah, so that was from the Be Encouraged from CEO of My Life, okay? So since we wait on God's time, and let's go ahead and take a break. <laughs> when we come back, Felicia is going to talk to us about some grief. Welcome back to the Healing She Got Faith show. It is March and we are wrapping up March. I don't know about y'all, but February was so good to us. March has been just as good and a lot of things have been happening and I am just super excited to see April. I don't know about you, Miss Felicia, but 2022 has been doing this thing. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but I do feel like, I don't know if, like, like we were talking about earlier, God's timing. I don't know if God was like, I'm tired of seeing you. I said, boom, here goes 2022. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm definitely feeling that. So if you are just now tuning in, this is the Healing She Got Faith show on Total Entertainment Radio. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. Central. And today we have the very special 
Miss Felicia, who is a fellow social worker, a fellow author, a fellow educator, y'all. She does it all, okay? So, yes. So, you introduce yourself so we know that you're Superwoman. But one of the things that he and she got faith to pride themselves on is we talk about grief. And here in he and she got faith, we do not limit grief to just death. But that might be part of your story, and we do understand it as well. So, for every guest, we ask them, can you describe a time that you dealt with grief and how it affected your life? And you can talk about who helped you. Did it lead you to your passion? Did it lead you to your book? Just a shameless plug. Um, you know, how and what did you grieve? And it could be anything. And I know I threw a lot at you. So whatever your brain tells you to speak, like, it is your grief. It's your story. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you speak. <laughs> So the biggest um, moment of grief that I experienced was the death of my dad. My dad was my superhero. He was my natural father as well as my spiritual father. And so it was like a double whammy. Um, I lost um, my dad to, he had a stroke, he had, you know, got sick and like doing the ending of that it kind of went downhill and of course when you lose someone it's a great loss on so many levels but you know you try not to be selfish and you don't want people here on earth suffering just because you want them here but it was a huge loss um my dad was my pastor we were raised you know in church and we you know he did the whole religious thing and Although I was not at the time, I was raised in church and raised with a real religious background. I was kind of in and out. I was at Black Sheep. I was doing my own thing. I stayed, you know, in trouble. Um, and so I struggled with that. But when my dad passed away, it's almost as if everything he taught me and was trying to instill in me just flourished. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when he left is when I you know, began to really live that life that he so wanted for me. Um, and like I said, he was my natural father as well as my spiritual father. So there were a lot of um, lessons that I was able to um, live out through him, you know, really instilling some things in me. And when he passed away, it was, I, I felt, and so one of the things I realized is that I had a lot of guilt associated mm. with that because one thing I did not like to see him in the last state that he was in, it wasn't who he was and it was very sad to be around that. Yeah. And so there were times where I didn't want to go and see him like that. Mm. And so um, I was involved with my husband who was now gone and there was another mm. loss. And so I was, you know, sometimes you try to substitute a feeling that you don't want to feel right. and you try to fill it with another boy. Well, I was mm -hmm. in a new relationship and I just kind of wanted to avoid seeing my dad because yeah. I didn't like seeing him like that. And so, you know, I was really involved in this relationship. And so after my dad and then that relationship, you know, needs to say did not work. Mm -hmm. And so I began to go back and have a lot of guilt because mm -hmm. I feel like those moments I should have been spending with my dad 
Mm-hmm. And the time that I get to someone else, I feel like he stole those moments that I could have been with my dad. Yeah. You know, and so that was very difficult. Yeah. And I know grief is not always just about death. But I feel like I had uh, what they say things happen in threes. Yeah. So my dad passed away. Then I lost my job of 10 years. Oh, and wow. then my husband left. Oh, man. And so I was feeling all of this grief different times. But the same feeling, nevertheless, is a loss. A loss right. is a loss. You know. And so I you know, was experiencing all of these losses within a couple of years of each other. So I was not able to really bounce back from one. And then, you know, experiencing another. And so the loss of my job was devastating. Um, and then, of course, the divorce is very devastating Man. as well. And so it was like three back to back. And so one of the things I learned is that you grieve how you grieve. Yep. And That's no one word. can tell you how to grieve. And no one can tell you that you're wrong for feeling what you feel. Um, and the stages of grief doesn't always happen in the chronological order that I say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's not linear. It's, yeah, it's not. And what you feel, what you feel at the moment, and we should be okay to feel whatever it is that we're going through at that moment. And so that was, you know, really difficult for me um, to have those three losses back to back before. You know, um, the passing of my dad, that was really the biggest loss that I have experienced thus far. Yeah, so you had, you experienced three different types of grief at one time. And then with my dad, I would say two, the loss of two that, you know, my father. And my natural father, so that right. was like two so, Right. Yeah. So yeah, so you had a bunch of different grief going on at once, which I like that you brought up the other two because I often do talk about how losing a job is, affects us terribly, especially if you've been at a job for, for yeah, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then also like divorce is a whole separate grief. We had somebody on the show that talked about um her divorce, and she actually went through two divorces. And she she talked about the effects of that and how like it literally felt like death. But mm-hmm. what I appreciate about your story is yes, you see your father as your spiritual and physical father. Anytime you lose a father figure, especially as women, we hurt tremendously. Like that's the first man to ever love us, to ever show us anything. And you kind of wonder, like, okay, what's life gonna be like? What like what's my trajectory gonna be like now? But then to lose your job, like that you've been there for 10 years, it's almost like a sense of betrayal. And you do grieve that. You have to find a new job. You have to find a new set of coworkers. You have to find probably some new skills. Absolutely. Um, all of that. And you're at your new job, like I would have never. So I've been going here. Let me yeah. Not get out. So yeah. I didn't find anything right away. So I went through all of that grief and the Hardship, right? Hardship, right? So it was, you know, uh, and you grieve that too, <laughs> right? You grieve the finances, <laughs> like man. <laughs> um, we can laugh about it now, but <laughs> but you do grieve that, and then to add on, you lost a husband to divorce. Which divorce is something that, like, I know there's divorce groups out there, but honestly, like when I created Healing Got Faith. 
I created for all those type of losses because we don't have safe places. Like even when you go through a divorce, you're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to, oh, there's other fish in the sea, but also too, nobody probably considered that you lost your job, you lost your father. Nobody probably considered all of that on top of you still had to live. Did you have kids at that time? I was just about to point out I had just had a baby. And, and you I just had, had a newborn, and I am one of the things <laughs> that I can see now. Okay, was that helping? You know, but I clung to my my baby became my every yeah. And I always say if I didn't have him, yeah. We don't know what would have happened. You know, he was, you know, he was something to get up and look forward to. He was yep. something that I could nurture and I could still love and get that unconditional love back. Yeah. And, you know, and it was like, who else can love you but a baby? Like, they have no limitations. <laughs> yeah. That was everything. And we, to this day, we are super. So that's your first. Bond. Oh, no, this is mine. So I had three adult children. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. So I reached way back. I was at, I had a baby at 42. Okay. So that was a little difficult too. I was a spring chicken and I, you know, I had grandkids and all of that. And so when I, I was kind of by myself, you know, my children mm-hmm. were grown and the last one had just went to college. And here I am, pop up with this baby. <laughs> I'm like, what are we doing with baby? Okay, so let me because I definitely thought you were talking about one of your older kids. So this is so this is like you lost your dad like later on in life. You went through the divorce later on in life, and then of course you lost your job. Well, the divorce didn't happen till later, but my husband left. Right, walked out. Right, my baby was five months old. Wow. Okay, so that puts a whole different spin on it. Yeah. It, right. So I'm, I'm one. Thank you for sharing it because it's not easy to discuss. It's not easy to talk about. It's in the book. But it is in the book that y'all can definitely buy. That we're gonna give you the link at the end of the show. <laughs> um, that's definitely something to just kind of ponder on for a second because you, like you just said, your last child had just went to college and then you end up with a newborn and then even in that, that's grief because. You're probably thinking like, man, I missed my life before this baby. Not and not to say that you no, didn't no, love did. your baby, but yes, yeah. <laughs> not to say you didn't love your baby, but just to be like, wow, like, like you said, here I am at forty-two. <laughs> what was I thinking? Like, <laughs> and not to and like again, not to say that there's anything wrong with that, but I, what I'm trying to convey to the audience is like, grief happens so much throughout our life to where stuff that we go through we don't even realize it's grief so all at once you're experiencing and when i say all at once this could be a span over like five years but it's back to back to back to back so you're dealing with these things along with your growing you're learning who you are as a woman you're learning who you are without your father without your husband you're a new mommy. You're trying to like figure this out, right? And like I said, I got grandkids. I got other kids. I got a baby in college. So you're trying to be supportive to all these people. Again, superwoman, you got to play this superwoman role. And in the end, you're grieving. And I think for a lot of us, especially women, we hold on to a lot of like a lot of times we'll mistake depression for grief or we'll mistake anxiety for grief or we'll mistake failure for grief when in actuality you never got the chance to fully grieve everything that you lost at once 
And so I think I think that's a powerful, I mean, I've read your book, so I think it's very powerful. And I think your story is extremely powerful. Um, but now that I've actually like spoke to you, because it's, it's different when you read somebody's book and then when you had a conversation, Absolutely. it's definitely different because you're able to connect the dots and connect the puzzles. And it's like, wow, like you were really grieving. I was. You were really good. So how do you feel about your grief now? Like, do do you recognize it? Are you kind of like, oh, I, I hit a place where I, you know, I'm gliding. Like, how are you feeling about that? Um, so now um, it doesn't feel necessarily like grief because you have to move on. Mm-hmm. You have to be strong. And what I realized was that in having my baby, it was nowhere near in the plans. I don't know how that even happened. <laughs> I know mean, I have <laughs> And he was like my joy, and I mm-hmm. love getting up in the middle of the night, and I love, you know, feeding him and tending to him. And so that's where my focus began to be. And mm-hmm. it was like the healing is like the voice were being filled. I didn't have to look for love. I didn't have to feel abandoned. Yeah. I didn't have to feel sad, you know, because I had something that was staring me in my face that needed me. Yeah. And to be able to get up and have something that is dependent on you. Right. Everything. Right. And so I couldn't, even the days where I felt like giving up, the days where I felt like I couldn't make it, mm. I would look at him and I felt like I got it. I got it. I have to make it. And so the years, you know, I won't say they went back quickly, but I look back and I realized that God had me, you know, through all of that, right. through the unemployment, through the you know, raising this baby alone by again, you know, single mm-hmm. mom again. I'm looking like, how am I a single mom again at 43? What in the world? And I never expected that at my age. Yeah. And so you begin to realize that you're a lot stronger than you think. Mm-hmm. You're a lot wiser than you than you know, and you have more in you than you realize you do. 
Mm. You know, and so it really, um, it just allows you to understand that God has a plan. Yeah. And God gives life. And mm. his life was here for a reason. And it just gives you, like I said, something to to take care of. And when we have something that is something or someone that is dependent on us and it's not just about us. Right. You know, but there's another life that needs me. That needs everything. Yes. That is. That's a powerful story. So if y'all not convinced yet, go buy the book. Go buy the book. But yes, that is a powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I just have to say, like, it's amazing that you can look back and see the progress and just the steps that you took in all of that. You lost a lot, a lot. You lost a lot, but you also gained something. And that's absolutely beautiful that you're able to look at that and see that, which is something that, you know, I definitely think you gave yourself credit, and I definitely think your story is amazing. So, again, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, so we are going to take another break when we come back. Miss Felicia is going to talk to us about her social work, education, and authorship journey. So, come back. Welcome back to the Healer She Got Faith show. This is Lily. I am your self-love advocate. I am the founder of Healing She Got Faith. And of course, I'm your host of this show. And today we have a Grief Beyond Death show. And we have the wonderful Miss Felicia. And if you missed her story, y'all better catch the replay that will be released tomorrow because, man, that was one for the books, y'all. That, that was a powerful story, okay? So with that being said, we're going to have Miss Felicia talk to us about her time in social work because y'all know March is Social Work Month. March is also Women's History Month, but also to Felicia's the educator and just with the way education has been going. But she's also an author, y'all, so I'm always going to say that. But yeah, so Felicia, like, just kind of tell us about your experience in social work because um, as we talked about before we got on air, like me and you are both social workers, but we, we've done very different sectors mm-hmm. in social work. So kind of give us a rundown about that and kind of how it led you into your passion. Um, just, you know, just kind of speak on that experience. Absolutely. So, um, I'm going to kind of jump the gun just a little bit. Um, so with the way that I got into social work, um, you know how in school the teacher asked you that famous question, what do you want to be mm-hmm. I never knew. I was never able to give an answer. Me neither. I never knew. <laughs> Everybody, you know, was confident. Oh, I want to be a teacher. Oh, I want to be a nurse. I want to be I never knew. Let me just say, that's why we get along, because I was that way. So I'm like, I don't know. I'm probably working at a grocery store. I was a tomboy. I was not girly. I wasn't prissy. Like I said, my dad was a pastor. I hated church. So I knew I didn't want to do anything, you know, ministry-wise. And um, I, so what I did think I was going to eventually be was a veterinarian because I love animals. 
Like That's I would bring it home straight dogs, all uh-huh. the animals, all the pets that we had. It was an animal that I had to find on and brought them home. So we had several family pets that was, you know, me bring them home from, and I just love animals. Yeah. So I thought I was gonna be a veterinarian. And um, also, I was always the mediator. Like, I loved, you know, helping people. Mm-hmm. And anytime there was an argument, I was always peacemaker. Problems. I don't like conflict. I don't like drama. And I just always loved yeah. peace and people and things. And so, naturally, that did that compassion is in me. Mm-hmm. And so, not really knowing what I wanted to do, not really knowing what I wanted to be. But somehow I kind of, and I know I don't even want to say somehow, my life took a shift mm. because of things that I, the choices that I made. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, you know, in a world of destruction. Yeah. And that is part that is actually my total book. I found myself in a world of total destruction. Um, and sometimes we don't realize why we are making choices that we, we've made. Mm. You're prone to certain things just by your DNA, your family history, and sometimes yeah. not knowing those things. And you begin to engage in activities that will uh, foster those things that you're already naturally prone yeah. to. And so, you know, history, you know, drew my, my dad, he, you know, turned preacher, but he was a drug addict back wow. in the day. And so, you know, the, my mom and dad ended up getting a divorce and that was traumatic for me. And so mm. as a as a, a, a preteen of uh, that age where you, you know, trying to find yourself, yeah. you identity crisis, you don't know who you are. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to be. My family is displaced. I'm going through trauma. I'm, you know, 11, 12-year-old girl trying to find herself. I'm a tomboy. I'm running with the boys. I'm running with, you know, wasn't Chrissy, wasn't Grace. Just didn't know who right. I was. Right. And so that's difficult for a child. It is. You know, and so I just begin to hang, you know, what they say, you hang with the wrong crowd and being with the wrong crew, and I just began to engage in risky behavior, and mm. it led to some things that led to some things that eventually um, took some a toll on my life, and I began to engage in you know drug activity, mm. and I you know got heavy, and again that's what my book is all about. Yeah. I became addicted to crack cocaine. Wow, very heavily. Wow. And so in that, in my recovery process, I met some people along the way that were social workers and yeah. they had a very um what is it? They they had a very um had a very important role in my progress. Wow. And if it had not been for certain people just being there, just the encouragement and the support, and I remember thinking oh my God, I want to be a social worker. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to help people. I already love helping people. Right. I just didn't know the name for it. I just didn't know the professional, the right. you know, career goal. Because who teaches you what a social worker is? Let's See, be honest. Exactly. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Who teaches you that? Absolutely. And so even when I was you know, engaged in that behavior, I still would look around me at the people that were doing what I was doing. I was worse off than some of the people that you know, I was around, and I just knew that I can't do, I keep, I'm like this, how am I going to help him? Mm-hmm. If I'm still, you know, if I'm engaged in how am I, so I just would look around just, just like, man, 
these people, I, they need help, but I'm, I'm gonna help them. <laughs> I love that. I love that though, but that's so transparent. Like, and I love that. Like in that moment, you like, I need help, but these people need help too. Like, yeah, I love yes. it. But not in not that I can ever compare to like having that story, but like even when I was grieving, I've had that same thought. Like, like oh my gosh, like we need help. But me, I'm like stuck in the bed. Like I need help too. But like we need to we need to figure this out. <laughs> Exactly. You know. Exactly. And so, you know, um, needless to say, I you know, went through treatment. Like I said, went through treatment um, and met some a couple of wonderful people who just had such an impact on my life. Mm. And I ended up going back to school. And I was like, I want to be a social worker. I want to do social yeah. work. I got to help people. This is what I love. I love helping people. Like. It sometimes it just is such a burning desire because yeah. I just love to make people smile. I love you know being that right. supporter, that ray of hope for somebody. And so I went to school, you know, raising my children again on my own. Um, went all the way through and get my master's in social work. Woohoo! MSW. And so I did that, and at the same time, I ended up getting a job at a children's home okay and so i was the residential staff and i eventually became the school social worker slash therapist so i was doing what i love and i was able to work with children and families who i had a background that you know they didn't know mm-hmm. but my background allowed me to not only understand where you where you are yeah but have the compassion and just to meet people where they were. And sometimes that's all people need. It's right. for you to not judge me, not, you know, um, throw a bunch of uh, expectations at me right. that I'm not able to fulfill because right. I don't know what to do. Um, right. I wouldn't so, have been here if I knew what to do. Exactly. Exactly. So I was able to work with children um, um, in an alternative setting because I, I believe that the way you know the way my personality and my makeup really gravitated to them because I understood because that's the type of child I was. I couldn't mm. really function in general ed. I couldn't really function being fitting in. Just you know, I was a black sheep. I was getting in trouble. Never yeah. knew why. You know, probably some undiagnosed ADHD or something. <laughs> okay, but I that's really, a whole nother episode. Oh, <laughs> but 
I was able to connect, and you know, what better way to connect with people than to than to be able to genuinely know where they are. Right, right. I I love that. I, I love that. So I did an episode earlier. This well, two episodes, and so for my audience that's been following, so we we see a full flesh example of micro social work. So Miss Felicia was working at a school as a school social work as a school social worker. If y'all go back and read the notes. That's actually one of the examples I gave in the earlier episodes. And so you see this full fledge of someone who went through something, went to school. She decided to go back. Her clientele was a student, which is a group. And her clientele was the family of the students. So we see Miss Felicia doing that micro and meso social work, um, which y'all have known I'm big on meso and macro. So I don't do the micro. So kudos to Miss Felicia for doing the micro. Um, I always tell people, like, I love macro, I love meso social work, but when it comes to micro, I'm good at it. I don't have the passion for it, though, so eventually I won't be good at it because I'll, lo- I'll lose the oomph to, like, want to do it. But I like that you gave that example because my whole goal is, like, one, I'm trying to really spread the awareness of what social work is because, again, like, me and you have very similar stories. Like, I never knew what I wanted to be. I never knew, like, what it was and you always hear people say like I just want to help people but like school only teaches you like to be a teacher be a police officer be a rapper be a basketball player there's really nothing else that they teach you to do so with me it was like I've always had this thing about community centers I've always had this thing about being in a big community never realized there was a such thing as social work and then you could break it down even further to like macro social work so you're like oh okay cool like Wish I would have known that in school. Um, so I'm glad we get to see that example. But also, too, we get to see you turning your pain into passion, which Absolutely. is and healing. She, healing, she got faith. We talk about that. Like, let's turn our pain into passion. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of your pain, you realize, like, I want to help everybody. Like, I want to do that. And I think that's so beautiful. And it speaks to your character. And me having an outside relationship with you, it, it helps me to really see like where all of this comes from. Because I don't think you've ever changed. And I mean that in a good way, not in a bad way. Like, <laughs> I think that in, I think that's always been embedded in me to be that light, even when it's dark. So I really appreciate you sharing that, that story with us. So when we come back, y'all, she's going to finish telling us about her journey and just you know, how she got to where she is now and just continue to turn this pain into passion. So come on back.
Welcome back to the Healing She Got Faith show. It is a Lily, your self-love advocate on Total Entertainment Radio. So we are going to continue our conversation with Miss Felicia just about turning her pain into passion. So we um before the break, we saw her work, her work in social work and how she got there. So um from that, if you want to talk about like just kind of transitioning into your new role becoming an author like whatever your heart desire because you got a story but with that being said josh she does have a book so after you listen to this episode you need to go and buy it because you think this is good what's you read that book okay <laughs> thank you so yeah i worked at a children's home for 10 years and i loved 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 my job I was a school therapist, and I just feel like I can really relate to the kids, to the families, to what they were struggling with, and I poured my heart and poured my life into those kids, and that is the job that I ended up losing, and it's because the school closed, mm. and I lost my job, um, and, you know, it was... It was about a year before I ended up getting back into the workforce and I got a job as a parent and I still was working with children, working with children with behavior problems, all of it done. Work with children with behavior problems and learning disabilities. And so that is my passion. That is what I do. I don't know how to do the regular. Um, so give me kids, give me the behaviors, give me the, you know, yeah. I feel like I can reach, you know, that is my, that is my um, my passion, that is my strong point. I am really, really good at what I do mm -hmm. as far as alternative settings. Yeah. I love it even now. Um, and so backtracking a little bit, I ended up getting a job as a parent. I work, you know, at um uh, like I said, with children. That's paraprofessional, right? Mm -hmm. okay. yeah. Just so if y'all don't know what that yeah. means, paraprofessional. Yes, I work with a teacher, work in a classroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I pretty much was the teacher's assistant and mm. I did that for like five years wow. and end up at another school where I am a classroom, lead classroom teacher. And it's, well, backtrack again, before this, so this year I will be one year working just as a lead teacher. Oh, wow. that, I was at an alternative program. Okay. And I work with children who, you know, could not, um, be successful in a regular gen ed setting mm -hmm. and so they were either suspended or you know had uh you know behavior problems right. or um, long-term suspension and i did that program for like four years and that and again i loved it I, this is what i do this is you know i just got passion for them babies yeah so, i think that's so beautiful absolutely. though and i say that i don't mean to cut you off and i say that though because i also worked at schools but i worked at some of the roughest schools they weren't technically diagnosed but these were your bad behavior kids and I love them and you could not tell me anything about those students because I honestly felt like they just needed somebody to love them. Absolutely and I pride myself on building relationship relationships with yeah. students that are not you know for the for lack of better words that other people have thrown away. Yeah. And you don't see beyond the behaviors and you right. don't see underneath why acting out and because I have, you know, have some, some things that I feel like I acted out because of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um you you have kids that are 
you know, they, they act out for different reasons. And when you get to know the kid, you see past all of that. You do. And so this is all I know. For 20 years, this is what I've done. Yeah. And this, I, I can't see myself doing anything else um, because I love kids. I love people. I love working with families. Um, so what's so, the age range? So right now kids. I teach high school. That's my favorite. Yeah, and you know people in middle school, and people call me crazy for teaching. You know, loving the middle school babies, but you know it's kind of a little different now. So I've done actually all ages. Yeah. I've done um, elementary. Mm -hmm. I've done middle school, and I've done high school. Okay. And so I, I, you know, I've done it all. Right now, I think as I get older, I kind of gear towards the high school because they kind of like to calm down a little bit. They yeah. know what they want. They're like, look, this is how me graduate. What I need to do? And so they look um, at you as like a mom figure. They, they, so, they always have all of yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. They have a little kids. You know, they want to stomach and you know, in the middle school, they, they, it's a different ball game, but. <laughs> Because the hormones, I'm, <laughs> you know, the hormones so, is different in middle yeah, school. I, so I love different. my middle school kids, but it definitely is a ball. It's a different it's beast. It's a different beast. Ooh, Jesus. And so I, um, like I said, I've worked with all ages from zero to 18 or 21, however. But, um, and so that is just where I found my passion mm -hmm. and I connect. And like I said, I really my my strong point is the relationships and the bonds that I'm able to build. Yeah. Um, my weakness sometimes is uh, I feel like I want to save them all. Yeah. <laughs> and I As really a social do. worker, <laughs> I just want to save them all. Don't say he's not gonna. You know, I don't let anybody talk bad about them. And you know, I just feel like even even when you see a student headed the wrong way and as an adult with an experience and a background you know what's ahead yeah you still don't give up because you don't know what that student can turn around and be right and you just you know you always operate in hope and you always yes. operate, operate in the thing that that you know one day's gonna click one day's gonna they're gonna get it they're not getting it right now today but you just see past this and you and sometimes you see things in them that they aren't yet able to see in themselves. And if you give them those puzzle pieces, mm -hmm. they're able to connect them. But if they don't have the pieces, they may not connect it to later on. And you don't always see it right then and there. But if we're not giving them the pieces to connect, that they don't have anything to connect when it finally clicks. Yep. Yep. So. That's, man, that's so true. Because I think I wish like, our society knew like what you just said because I feel like a lot of the adults struggle because they didn't have the pieces they didn't understand it like I do feel like in today's society which I think is why I'm so big on dealing with grief is because like we were never taught that it was okay to deal with it we were never taught that it was okay to be able to feel your feelings or like even with you like um like, which are like in your age, like you can say, like, man, I miss my daddy. You know, like a lot of us are taught, like, you, they died, you didn't, you got to move on. But like, you might have a moment, like maybe when your youngest has the graduation and you're like, man, I just wish my daddy was here, you know, having that moment. So I wish people in society had what you just said. I wish my daddy didn't get chances to my son. Mm hmm. He didn't get a chance to see my book, mm -hmm. and he would have been so proud. Yeah, he <laughs> so, would have. Yeah, that, that is one of the things. If it was not for him, even though 
when my parents got divorced, he was physically out of the house. And sometimes as children, we don't understand adult relationships and problems and yeah. we start to internalize something, you know, you just don't understand. Yeah. And the adults sometimes fail to nothing against my parents because I'm sure my children have some things to say about me. <laughs> but sometimes they fail to take care of the, the child yeah. in the midst of them trying to fix their mess and yeah. when, when the mess goes south then the kids are the ones that suffer yeah um so again my mom you know mentally just kind of going through her own thing um my dad physically wasn't in the house and so that was a double whammy for me again so i always felt alone yeah and unloved and um and so um you know just not having him at a vital time was was another trauma it was another um issue me seeking love from me and yeah the yeah. wrong type of um uh, affirmations and the wrong type of uh relationships and feeling those voids and mm -hmm. those empty um empty spaces yeah. and so when my dad eventually did come back around um he was so vital in my recovery. It yeah. almost embraced all of that. Yeah. You know, he was really vital. And if it was not for him, like I said, um, he was a, a preacher and he really was heavy on, you know, spiritual aspects yeah. of things that he just stepped in as the support. Yep. And it wasn't all about, you know, just the spiritual, but just having my dad to step in and help with the kids mm -hmm. and help with my recovery. And so that was really, really um, an important part of that process. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. And I feel I feel your pain. Y'all can't see her face, but I feel your pain because <laughs> I just think about like my parents never got to see any of my graduations. They didn't get to see the book. They are, they are on my book cover. Um, but like just the pain and I, and I, appreciate how you are vulnerable and you do allow yourself to feel those feelings because again most adults just feel like i just gotta keep moving i just gotta figure it out life goes on which that to me is very sad it's very sad to be in a place to where you can't even grieve who you lost so so thank you for sharing we got one more break and when we come back we gonna finally tell you where you could get this book okay <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Healing She Got Faith Show. Happy Monday. It is about to be April, y'all. So hopefully this weather will break and we can finally have some good weather. Um, but yes, so Miss Felicia, you've shared so much with us today. You've shared tremendous amount of gems. Your story is powerful. Um, take these last five minutes to talk about your book. Tell us where we can find you. Just, you know, give yourself your flowers. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't do it often, but um, it's sometimes it's hard to do. Um, just really, I just look at it like 
you know, the quote of, I just, so I look at myself like a phoenix that just rose from the edge and just took control of my life. Yeah. When I think about all of the things that I went through, and at the time, and I never forget, my dad would always say, "All things work for the good." Mm -hmm. And this is when I was in my dark place, and I couldn't see it. I thought he was crazy. If you say that to me one more time, I'm gonna scream. <laughs> say that to me now. Say that because <laughs> I was in my pain. I was in my dark place, and so writing my book was was healing for me, mm. and I was able to. And it was during the pandemic, and I was, you know, I had thought about writing a book probably about 20-something years ago. Wrote one page, put it away, never picked it up again. Wow. Yeah, I remember, like, the first page, the only first page, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And so I think that it was just God's timing. It was during the pandemic, and I was sitting, and I just remember praying about, uh, what should I be doing with this time? What's going on? Um, God, what am I? What, what is my journey? What am I supposed to be doing? And I had a conversation, and I decided, oh, you know what? I'm gonna write a book. And so I began to just um, start writing. And the writing process was—it was difficult, but it was almost like just waiting for that moment. And I was able to just write. And God, just everything would just come back to me, and I would remember things that I had literally forgotten. Yeah. All of these stories and all of these things just start coming back to me, and I, you know, it was just time. And my book is literally an open book. Yeah. I struggle with my story because, of course, you don't want. Um, people to judge you or look at you, you know, like, oh my God, you went through that, you did this, you did. But writing my book, I, I was so transparent. Like, yeah. I didn't anything out. And one of the reasons why I had to be so honest and transparent is because the people that I am going to reach need to know that I've been there. Yep. Yep. Um, it's hard to help somebody when people you can't relate. People you see right through you, yeah. you know, it looks fake. Nobody wants to deal with fake or, you know, um, and I just knew that it was time that somebody out there is waiting to hear and see that there is hope. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and so I just felt like it, you know, it's just it's just time to tell my story. And I say, I tell my story, I decided to tell my story because I love you and yeah. I feel like I don't no longer care what people think I no longer worry about who's going to look at me different who's going to you know look at me strange who's going to judge me because none of that matters the, the people that matter is the people that I wrote my story, story for yep yep that, that's the word yep and I love that because I my theory for my organizations I wish I imagine the world where like we don't have to explain ourselves to anybody. I imagine a world we can live in our life and it'd be just that. Whether we took a left turn or we're supposed to take right, but we can come back from it because we don't have to worry about people judging us. We don't have to worry about people questioning our decisions because at the end of the day, our life is our story. It is what we decide to do with it. But at the same time, we have people like you that are like, okay, hey, you might have took the left turn, but I'm here to help you. I'm not going to judge you, but I'm going to help you. A lot of my clients that I work with, I do that. Like they, I get a lot of clients that are embarrassed or ashamed, and 
And some of the stuff that they're embarrassed, embarrassed, ashamed, ashamed of, it's like you don't even have to be embarrassed or ashamed because it's it's who you are. Like that's part of your story. That's what it is. So I just in my social work industry, I just really try to just give people that comfortability to be who you are. Like, cause you can change it. Like you can change everything about what you're going through, everything about um, your story, your route, like anything about that. And you have people like they like you that are like, hey, it's, it's cool. Like some of us got some ugly stories, but guess what? They not really that ugly cause it helps us to get to where we're at. So, so where can we buy your book at? So you can go on my, visit my website at FeliciaKirksey.com. That's F-E-L-I-C-I-A-K-I-R-K-S-E-Y.com. It is available on Amazon. It will take you straight to the link on Amazon. Yes. So make sure y'all get the book. She's a fellow author. We did our writing class together, which is how we learned, learned about each other. But also, too, we... We found out we had mutual friends, which was really weird. Not weird because we love them, but it was just like, like, ah, we know people. So, yeah, so Felicia's book is phenomenal. And she was in the writing class that I always tell you about how I got my book. So definitely support her. I hope y'all have a great rest of your Monday. Miss Felicia, thank you so much for coming, giving us your time, giving us your story. I, we know it's not always easy to tell your story, so we appreciate you. And yes, y'all buy her book today. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, so, of course, of course. So, y'all, we will catch you next Monday. Remember to love you the way you love the world. Bye. Bye.